Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. This morning I want to continue in our series called The Greatest Gift. Say The Greatest Gift. And as we continue in this today, I want us to start to see some really good things as this opens up before us. We're going to look at our main text here, John chapter 3 and verse 16. Now, I like to read verse 16 with 17 because it gives us really good context. Bishop Jamie says, if you pull the text out of context, it's just a con, right? And so it's important that we see the context here. Now, John 3.16 is really a famous scripture. I mean, even if you haven't grown up in church, you've probably heard this verse, you've seen it, you know, at the end zone, at football games, but some are just like, oh, that's that religious thing. But I want us to see the love of God towards us here. We're going to start in verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Now stop there. These, I believe, are the nine most important words that we can cherish. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Because love gives. That's what love does. He said Jesus wasn't a plan B. God sent himself in the form of Jesus, God in flesh, so we could see what he was truly like. Why did he do it? Because he loves us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, remember, you only walk in what you believe, should not perish but have everlasting life. But look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, say but, I like big buts in the Bible, that the world through him might be saved. You see that? Now, I love this in the mirror translation. It says the entire cosmos is the object of God's affection, all of creation. And he is not about to abandon his creation. The gift of his son is for humanity to realize their origin in him who mirrors their authentic birth, begotten not of flesh, but of the who? Father. In this persuasion, the life of the ages echoes within the individual and announces, listen to this, that the days of regret and sense of lostness are over. Verse 17, God has no intention to condemn anyone. He sent his son, not to be the judge, but the savior of the world. Isn't that beautiful? You know, we have to get over this idea that God is just a judge in a courtroom. We have to start seeing him as a father sitting in a living room, beckoning you to him for relationship, saying, I've not gone anywhere. I've been here the whole time. But do you believe my story about you? Do you believe that I am your origin or do you believe another story? Do you believe that you are my image bearer and that you mirror my image in this world? Or do you believe another story? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. What do we believe? So today as we look at this, the greatest gift, you know, the greatest gift ever given was Jesus, right? Jesus was given. We could say this, the greatest gift given was God giving himself to us. And now all we have to do is accept the gift. You have to receive it. If someone says, here, I got a gift for you, they can stand there for 20 minutes, two hours, four hours. You have to receive it. And then you have to believe, wow, they're really offering this to me. You have to actually believe this. I'm worthy of that gift. We talked last week about little kids. Little kids never wonder if they're worthy of the gift, do they? In fact, usually like, whoa, 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 let's, okay, they go right under the tree. They start ripping and tearing as soon as they can. You're like, whoa, whoa, let's hand them out. This is chaos. Well, you know what? Maybe sometimes it needs to be chaos. Just love, just those lavish gifts that the Father sets upon us, that he gives to us. We just enjoy them. And I think last week I said, we need to just rip those gifts open and be so excited about what Jesus contains for us. Because we talked about this idea of layers, that the gift of Jesus is multi-layered. There's so many things that, that are contained within this gift of Jesus. How many have ever heard of a parfait? Parfaits are awesome, aren't they? It's just layer upon layer upon layer of goodness. Usually sugary goodness, but layer upon layer of goodness. Uh, Jean makes a, a parfait that I absolutely love because, actually, I wrote down a definition of parfait for those of you who aren't familiar with the parfait. No, I'm serious. Listen to this. 
Even close your eyes. I want you to imagine this. Here's a parfait. A dessert consisting of layers of ice cream, whipped cream, fruit, and I love this, etc. That means anything can go in this parfait. And that's what Jean does. She does pound cake and like vanilla cream and strawberries and chocolate and whipped cream. I think we just need to go have a parfait right now. I love parfaits. You know, when I was about eight or nine years old, I took my first trip to Dairy Queen. How many have been to Dairy Queen? I didn't even know this place existed. I'm like, this is heaven on earth right now. I remember going in and I think I got an ice cream cone or something, but as we went back a couple times, I saw this thing on the menu called the peanut buster parfait. I think I call it the peanut buster parfait, something like that, because it has a T on the end, right? Thank the French for the parfait. In fact, you know that the word parfait comes from French, and the word in French is perfect. Amen. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit right there. Do you realize that you contain the gift of Jesus, which is multi-layered? In fact, that means that you have a parfait of goodness inside you. Come on. Look at the parfait next to you and say, you look good this morning. (laughs) Think about all these layers that come with this gift that we call Jesus. It's multi-layered. It's like a parfait. It's so good. And we need to see it uh, for what it is, that it's goodness. And we contain that goodness. It's in us. We're like these living, walking, breathing parfaits going around the world and just serving up some goodness, serving up some light serving up some love, serving up some God to those around us. I'll tell you, when we do it correctly, in love with the right heart, people will eat it up. Because people are looking for hope. They're looking for a future. They're looking for something different than the norm, something different than what they're participating in, this thing they call life. They're looking for something. They need a fuel called love for life. The greatest gift, Jesus. There's so many layers in this precious gift, and I believe that the theme that runs through all those layers is salvation. Healing, wholeness, deliverance, preservation, safety, rescue, here and now. And what's good about this gift, when you start to realize what you already contain, you start to bring healing and deliverance and preservation and safety and wholeness to the world around you. It's so exciting. It's like, imagine yourself serving up some parfait to all those around you. And you say, man, you just don't know who I work with. You just don't know who I'm married to. I I get it, I get it. We all have brokenness inside. We all have brokenness in our soul. But if we allow Jesus to heal that brokenness in us, then we now can manifest that healing to those around us. But it's so good when we see how good this gift is. So today, in the greatest gift, let's talk about the gift of, because remember, it's multi-layered. Last week, what did we talk about? Anyone remember? The gift of faith. That's good. Today is the gift of forgiveness. Say, the gift of forgiveness. Now, there's a lot of ideas out there of how we get and how we keep forgiveness. Are we forgiven because we confess every sin? Are we forgiven because we forgive other people? Are we forgiven because we make up for it and we stop doing it? These are all ideas that are floating around in the church, but what is the truth? So I want to look at this today, this idea of forgiveness. You see, we can have an understanding that all things are new in Christ, that we are new creations, but not understand this total forgiveness thing. Because for some of us, we can't fathom somebody who would forgive you past, present, and future. That's how powerful the sacrifice of Christ was and is. It's a done deal. No longer does sin separate us at all from God. In fact, honestly, God never separated himself from us. We believe the lie. What does Paul say? We We were enemies of God in our minds. People go, Pastor, I'm getting ahead of myself. Pastor, come on, this sin thing's serious. Oh yeah, I take sin extremely serious because it's wreaked havoc in my life. 
It stings, it stinks, it's no good. But we're going to look into that in a little bit later today. But what happens is if we believe this idea, it causes us to have a belief system that says, I know that I'm new and that I'm accepted. I know that I'm in a relationship with my Heavenly Father, so now I better go live it. I better like it. I got to prove it. I got to show everybody that I'm forgiven. But the truth is, you are even if you aren't showing it. This is good. Now, I'm hoping to mess with some minds today. You know, Jesus messed with minds all the time. He told parables. And we read them and go, oh, a sower sowed some seed. Oh, there was a young son who left his father. And we just read these stories so religious. But the truth is, the, the ears at the time, the Jewish mindset was going, huh? Paradigm shift throwing stuff off balance, off kilter, making people think through the process of the religion they used to believe and going, what is Jesus trying to say? What is he trying to show us right now? And so I hope that I mess with minds in a good way to help you with a thing called repentance. It's not groveling at an altar. It's changing our mind. The word is metanoia in the Greek. It's to turn, but you only turn by changing your mind. You go, wow. God's ways are better. Wow. The way that God sees is so much better than the way that I see myself. See how this works? And so repentance is essential for us to grow in this journey called faith and life in Christ. But listen, it's not groveling and hoping that God somehow will forgive you just a little bit more. It's awakening to the fact that you've already been forgiven. And people who know they're forgiven walk differently. So let's look at that a little bit today. Without understanding our once-for-all forgiveness in Christ, we feel pressure. Have you ever felt this pressure before, pressure to perform? How about this, we're afraid to fail? I'll be honest, I felt that. Growing up in church, I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to mess up. And it leads to a life where not failing is the goal. What a life of hell that is. My whole life is trying not to fail, trying to do things right. And we make that our goal. And in turn, you lose sight of the relationship. You lose sight of who you are and whose you are. And again, it makes life a living hell, a life where you feel you can never measure up. But you know what we do? We try to fake it till we make it. We walk into the church doors and, how you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored. That's a great faith statement, but how are you really feeling? This community should be a place where we can be open and honest and transparent. We don't have to fake in front of each other. We can say, man, I'm going through some stuff right now. I'm battling addiction right now. Man, you don't, my boss is like, I, I mean, it's like Attila the Hun. I, I don't know how to function. I just want to shoot the guy. No, don't shoot the guy. But you feel like you want to shoot the guy. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we all feel these feelings. Have you, this is crazy. Have you ever just been, oh, I probably shouldn't say this. Have you ever just been standing somewhere and you're, you're, I'm not going to say this. You ever stand and talking to someone and you're just talking there and you think, what would happen if I just smack him in the face right now? Please come back next week. I don't literally carry that out, but I felt that, right? But I will say this, that as you understand your forgiveness and you understand God's love towards you, it does change the way you feel and it changes the way you think changes the way you respond and suddenly you start to go, wow, they don't know who they are. They're acting like that. They don't realize they're forgiven. And Peter tells us that. I keep getting ahead. I'm so excited about us seeing this today, but we've got to see that life is not a life where we're just trying to not fail over and over and over. If we do that, we trade in knowing Christ on a moment to moment basis, this beautiful relationship for behavior modification or prevention. And what happens when we realize that life isn't about behavior modification and trying to attain something, it gives us this freedom to fail. I know, it's weird to hear in church, right? By faith, we can do all things. I get that. But knowing that we're human and that he's forgiven us and he's given us everything, we have on this journey, this, this cycle where we know, you know what, there's freedom to fail. Because sometimes if you don't have freedom to fail, you won't step out in faith for anything. Because, man, you got to step up. Faith is saying, I trust you, not myself right now. 
So it's, it's this freedom to fail, which is a huge thing. Listen, this failing isn't the goal, but it allows us to walk by his spirit without the pressure to perform. I don't know about you, but my own life, I felt like I was under pressure to perform for so many years, to measure up. And sometimes I was glad to walk out those church doors so I could go, that mask was getting kind of sweaty. Because <laughs> you felt that pressure. See, when you realize that you have freedom to fail, we'll walk in a freedom and a joy that we didn't have before. Now, what does the Apostle Paul say about our forgiveness? In his letter to the Colossians, he tells them this. He says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, these are covenant terms, God made you alive with Christ. Now look at this. He forgave us all our sins. Say all. All. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. What condemned us? Our sin. Some people stand behind pulpits and say, God's condemning you. The wages of sin is death. I want us to get this. Your sin will condemn you. God hates sin because of what it does to us. He loves us. I do not like when my children are taken advantage of, but I always love my children. You follow me? Am I a better father than he is? I don't beat my children to make them submit. Now, there's times where there's discipline involved, but how many know the discipline isn't punishment for your past? It's training for your future. And when we discipline in love, it's always, how can I lovingly move them to a place where they can see their true selves, who they are as a Baransic, as a heist, as an Angeline. I got it right. By the way, it's not Angeline, it's Angeline. So our Father is always working by the Holy Spirit to show us who we truly are as sons and daughters of Him. And as we do, we start to walk differently. We have like a, uh, like a, a skip in our step. Or we can hold our heads high and say, wow, we're children of God. And so it's important we see this. But he goes on to say, having canceled the charge of illegal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. Look at this. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Eugene Peterson puts it like this in the message translation. He says, God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. So what are we saying this morning? Let's respect what Jesus did. Let's trust what the heavenly father is saying to us about sin pertaining to us. Let's call it what it is and speak with clarity about it. What, what is the benefit of this? Because I am totally forgiven and in a loving relationship with God, I can be real, transparent, open, and honest with my Heavenly Father. You know, that's all that God's looking for. If you're going through issues in life, talk to your Father. It's called prayer. Do you know that prayer is more for you than it is for God? Sometimes we, we think we have to run through these rituals in order for God to be okay and somehow inflate his ego enough so he's okay. Listen, we're talking about God, people. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. You know what he proves to us? His love. So if you're going through a, a situation in life, talk to your father. I know he already knows, but get it off your chest. Get some, some clarity. Get some open, honest conversation with your heavenly father. Tell him how you feel. Say whatever you got to say. You know, I got to the point in my life where I realized that God didn't speak in King James. It helped me so much. He speaks to me exactly how I speak. And sometimes, I don't know, I'm glad there's not a camera on me every day. I'm just saying. Sometimes I have days I'm fed up. I'm done. And I can speak to my father. But you know what? He always reassures me, but you're a son. I know, Andrew, you're just believing a lie about yourself. And so as I, as I turn, metanoia, as I change my mind and turn from those lies I believe about myself and believe the truth that he says about me, it changes the way that I walk. It changes the way that I see myself. 
So can we be real and transparent, open and honest with our Heavenly Father? We can say things like, if God is for me, who can be against me? You know, not only do I experience a freedom to fail, but I experience a freedom to be real, to be myself. You know, God wants you to be yourself. Well, I'm supposed to be holy. You already are. Well, I'm not acting like it. Holiness isn't an act. That's religion. Holy means that you're set apart. You're other. You're different. You're like, yeah, I've been told that all my life. (laughs) But God's saying, you are different than what you believe about yourself. You are different than what the world says about you. My kingdom is so much different than the system of this world. So awaken to that and then walk in that. Isn't that huge? No longer do I need to wear a mask. No longer do I need to pretend. Why? Because I realize I am good to go no matter what. Say that I'm good to go no matter what. Now, do you believe it? See, when you believe it, you'll walk in it. This is huge. I know that these seem like dangerous words to some, but I believe that this hinges on what we consider as sin. So let's look at this idea of sin. You know, sometimes I think that, that there are those who want to believe, but they think that, that they can't be in relationship with God because of their past behavior or some shame that they hold in their past. They feel hopeless. They feel separated. But I want us to see something here that we're not separated from God. God didn't go anywhere. I know, Pastor, but remember, even Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I understand. Jesus considered a rabbi. Rabbis usually led psalms, which were songs. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But by the end of the psalm, now imagine this, on the cross, worst experience of his life, he begins a song, and the good Jews knew the psalms, and they would be, he's singing a song and sing along, and by the end of the song, it says, you never hid your face from me. We can feel abandoned by God, but the truth is, he's never hid his face from you. I want you to understand that this morning. Well, pastor, I mean, you know, sin, God can't be around sin. Well, if that's true, then I guess the sacrifice of Christ didn't count because God wasn't in Christ reconciling the world to himself because Jesus took the sin of the world on him. If God can't be around sin, then apparently Jesus wasn't God because Jesus was around sin all the time. He didn't have to participate, but he went to where people needed healing and wholeness. He brought salvation. Even the story of Zacchaeus, it's so beautiful. I mean, Zacchaeus changed his mind about being greedy and selfish. And Jesus says the famous words, salvation has come to this house today. Not one sinner's prayer was prayed. He wasn't talking about heaven, folks. Sometimes we get so caught up with the sweet by and by, Lord, come back, get me out of this place. And he's like, I put you there for a reason. Change the world with my love. Bring peace to this world. And we're trying to get out of here and he's trying to keep us in. Jesus even prayed that to the sun, right? He's like, boop, 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 stand, stand. He's like, stand, you have kingdom business to do. The kingdom is expanding like leaven in a loaf of bread. Once a little leaven gets into a loaf, you can't get it out, folks. The kingdom is just keep, keeps on expanding. Now, don't believe the reports. Man, the church is growing down. Not really. I mean, we, I mean, if you're looking at the church that the Western culture has created, but if you look all around the world, people are coming to Christ by droves. I don't even know the numbers, but they're staggering like 10,000 Muslims a day. I mean, I'm talking tens of thousands of Chinese a day coming to a realization of who Christ is. So don't believe the hype. Or church is growing down. Yeah, probably because we're not doing church right. We're learning too. We think church is getting up on a Sunday morning and telling everyone how bad they are. <laughs> when Jesus came to tell us how good we were. Do you remember the famous words of the creator when he said with this creation, Adam and Eve, man, he said, it is very good. When did it change in Adam's mind? 
I know we struggle. We're like, oh, but pastor, he, he can't. Okay, so if God can't be near sin, why did he, when Adam and Eve fell, why did he come to them directly? When Cain killed his brother, did God run away or did he come to him? Directly to him. And he touched him on his forehead. And he marked him not for death, but for life. He protected him. I know, I'm messing with minds right now. Pastor, sin doesn't matter. Uh, look around you. Sin really matters. Have you seen the billion dollar industry called sex trafficking? Uh, sin stinks. Have you seen the divorce rate around the world? Sin stinks. But see, if people don't know who they are, they're going to act like a fool. They're going to act crazy. Jesus came to introduce yourself to yourself. God says you're good, but you believed you're unworthy and you're bad. I know this is tough because we see ourselves. We struggle with this. I struggle with this. But when I'm told to awaken to my righteousness, it was put there for a reason. Awaken to your right relationship with God. Ironically, the healing for their hopelessness, those who are hopeless and, and separated, feel that separation, is always within their reach because their actions never had the power to separate them from God in the first place. Now we're going to look at a scripture here. The apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, says, For I am convinced, say that word, convinced. convinced. It's the word pytho in the Greek, and it means to trust, to be persuaded. Listen, it means to listen and to yield to. So Paul is saying that I am fully persuaded. I trust God's word. In fact, I've listened to the spirit and I'm yielding to what he says. What did he say? That neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth. Listen to this. Nor any other created thing. How many created things in here this morning? You can all raise your hand. Even you will be able to separate us from the love of God. <laughs> you can't even separate yourself from his love. It's always there. But if you don't know it, you don't believe it, you're not going to walk in it. And he's there the whole time saying, I love you. I want to show you who you really are. And some people say, I'm good. I'm good to go. Or some people heard the wrong message. God's angry at you. He can't stand you. He can barely even stand the sight of you. But if you pray this prayer... He'll be okay with you. Am I messing? The truth is God has always loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave. Are you seeing this this morning? Stick with me. Well, pastor, doesn't sin separate us from God? I've already went through these different analogies. How do we miss this? Jesus was among sinners. Adam and Eve, God visited them. He even clothed them in the midst of shame and guilt. He clothed them. He went with them out of the garden. He was with both boys when they were offering sacrifices. He was with Abraham and Moses and Noah. He was with men all the time who were human, who made mistakes, who didn't always do everything right. Why? Because he's a loving father who's not going anywhere. He doesn't abandon his children. He's not an absentee father. Paul even said we walk about as orphans. Why? We don't know who our daddy is. So we can choose to say, I'm no longer an orphan. I am a son. I'm a daughter. This is about sonship. And by the way, that word in the scripture, sonship is gender neutral. It's male and female. So if I say it's all about sonship, that includes all of us. And it's this beautiful story of the gospel. Often we hear either the message preached or we preach to ourselves that we're failing to live up to God's behavioral expectations. But let's be honest. Mistakes are part of being human. Stick with me. How many here have never made a mistake? That one hand, that is so crazy. Imagine that. Come on, we all know the honest truth, right? 
Now again, it's not, our, our goal isn't to make mistakes. You don't wake up and go, I'm going to try to make 30 mistakes today. <laughs> of course not. But how many of us make mistakes throughout our day? Sometimes several times. But we get to make the choice of trusting God, knowing that we are a human being in relationship with God, discovering the truth of who he is. Let's look at this idea of sin. The Greek word often translated into the English as sin is the word hamartia. Say hamartia. Now the religious will tell you that this word means missing the mark. And they go on to explain that the mark is moral perfection or right behavior. And once again, we get back on that hamster wheel or that that treadmill of life, trying to just trudge out and do things right. But listen to this. If the essence of God's nature is relationship, then I think that sin must be defined and understood as missing a relational reality. It's a distortion of the image of God in us. Now look at this word, hamartia. It's made of two parts. The first part is ha. Say ha. Ha. Say ho. Say ha, ha, ha. Say ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. First part is ha. This is an aspirated alpha, which really is a negation. So it's like an un or a dis, right? So unkind would be not kind. Displeased would be not pleased. So the word ha is like an un or a dis. The other word is martia. It's from the Greek root miros, which means part portion or measure. And some scholars even say, digging a little deeper, it means form, origin, or being. The fundamental meaning here is negation of origin or being. Negation of origin or being. We could say formless. I understand it's about missing the mark, but the mark is not perfect moral behavior. The mark is the truth of your being. We've missed it. We don't know who we are. We don't know whose we are. There is a truth about who you are. God's proclamation about a very good creation is the truest about you. Remember the story, creation story? He says, and man is very good. He called us very good. Do we always act like it? No, we don't know who we are. But by definition, in the Greek, sin is the negation of origin or being. This is huge. The very good creation is the origin of you, the truth of who you are in your being. Sin, then, we could say, is anything that negates, undermines, or misrepresents the truth of who you are, no matter how pretty or no matter how ugly that is. I heard someone actually put it like this. Behavior becomes either an authentic way of expressing the truth of your good creation or an effort to cover up, we call it performance behavior, the shame of what you think of yourself, which a lot of us, we just think we're worthless. We don't measure up. Are you following me here? I talked several weeks ago, out of Romans 3.23, we talked about the word glory, the word doxa, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word doxa means the opinion, the good opinion of someone that brings about praise. So in essence, when we fall short of God's opinion, his good opinion of us, we fall back into this old way of thinking. And now looking at this, we negate our original origin of life as sons and daughters. So when you negate that, what happens? You fall short of God's opinion. of How does God see you? What is the story that God is telling you about yourself? A lot of us, we believe our story about ourselves. I believe what I did 10 years ago and five years ago and yesterday and then last night. That's my story. I'm a sinner because I sin. And God says, this is crazy. Even Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians who were crazy. It's like Vegas on steroids. He calls them saints. Paul, have you been there lately? Uh, Have you been there? I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on. No, no, I'm calling them who they truly are. And when they awaken to that, they will start to walk out who they truly are. Now, sin stinks. Sin's horrible. But do you know why we fall into sin? you know why we misstep and we fall short? Because we don't believe who we truly are. That's what it comes down to. 
Jesus came to show us who we truly are. That story of Zacchaeus, I love it because Zacchaeus was selfish. He was greedy. He was stealing. And I don't know what Jesus said. We don't know how long that meal was that that they had together. But at one point, Jesus says, salvation has come to this house today simply because he says, anyone I've stolen from, I'm giving money back. What? That's salvation? So if you steal money and you give it back to him, then that's salvation? Well, Jesus said it was. Why? He was delivered of himself. He started to see who he truly was. See, we make this, this big, huge religious idea that, you know, God, he needed a plan B, and he was just so frustrated and angry, he had to kill someone, so I guess he, I'll kill my son, and then you guys would be okay. And sometimes we, I know you're laughing, right? We, I'm, that's, what it, that's really what we're saying. So it's important that we see it. Now, we're not going to get into penal substitutionary atonement. We're not going to get into Christus Victor. There's all different ways that the church has looked at what the cross meant. What I'm saying is this, that God has always loved us. But sometimes love is furious in that it doesn't like what sin does to us. He doesn't want to extinguish you. He wants to extinguish those bad ideas you have of yourself. He wants to extinguish those addictions and those habits because they're killing you. They're hurting you. They're robbing you of life and joy and peace. And he's saying, no, no longer will my son be buffeted by this. Will my daughter be hurt by this? I want you to awaken who you truly are and walk in what I've already provided inside. We're told to work out our salvation. We're working out deliverance, preservation, safety, rescue, wholeness, healing in so many facets of our life. I still got a ways to go. How about you? It's a lifelong journey. And so are you on the journey for the long haul because your father is? Jesus ain't going nowhere. The Holy Spirit is always there to convince you of your righteousness, your right relationship. Why? So you'll awaken to who you truly are. That's why messages from pulpits beating people up and telling them how bad they are. I mean, I can sit here every Sunday and say, stop sinning. It doesn't work. You're like, okay. How many have kids? Don't do that. Okay. And then as soon as you turn your back, they do it anyway. But if I, every Sunday reminds you of who you are, how God sees you, you begin to awaken to that. I don't have to say stop sinning. There'll be a certain point in your life you're like, Ooh, that doesn't fit well on me. Ooh, wow, I've just been hanging out with Jesus and learning how good I am and that I'm perfect and pleasing and holy and acceptable and I haven't gotten pornography in like two weeks. That is awesome. Because that same person could go, I'm just a pornographer, I'm just a pornographer, I'm just a pornographer. I'm just... Wow, there's real wholeness in that, right? I'm not a pornographer. I have holy eyes. I'm pleasing and acceptable. It changes everything. Do you follow me? And so sin is pleasurable for a season, but guess what? It comes down to a time when it will, it will pay you back. It will pay you the wages. The wages of sin is death. I never take sin lightly. In fact, I think when we can will sin away, we take it lightly. We try to harder to, to do it less. I think we're taking it really lightly. I think when we trust God, what he says about us, and we say, you know what? I choose to believe your story about me. That's when we really take it heavy. We're like, sin is a heavy deal, and it's going to destroy my life if I let it continue. So you can't walk out of here today and say, Pastor Andy says sin doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, it does. I said it before. I'll say it again. Look around you. Watch the news. Watch one episode of the news, and you're like, wow, there is sin running rampant. These actions are coming from someone not realizing who they are. But if you talk to someone who awakens to their righteousness and they realize who they are, it changes everything. I've seen it in my own life. I have friends and family who are experiencing just total healing and restoration in areas of their life because they're choosing to trust God's story about them. See, understanding your forgiveness awakens you to your true identity and in turn results in behavior that reflects that identity. Isn't that good? Freedom to sin is really just an illusion of freedom. Because some people say, you know, when you teach about God's love and his grace towards you, I mean, you're just giving people license to sin. And I usually say, we don't have to hand out licenses. It's happening all over the place. I've had pastors challenge me. Man, you preach against sin? Well, not really. I'm not telling people to stop sinning. I'm telling them to realize who they are. And then they awaken to that. Then they stop sinning. 
I know, but you got to get on it, man. I mean, you got you to hit them hard. I'm like, why would I hit the people hard? And so we're under this illusion that we're preaching, we have freedom to sin because nothing matters. Mm-mm. Big difference. Freedom to sin is just an illusion of freedom, but it's freedom from sin that is authentic and real freedom. That's what we teach here. You've been set free from the bondage of sin. You're righteous, you're pleasing, you're acceptable, you're holy. God loves you. He promised to never leave you or abandon you. He's not going anywhere, folks. Even when you're faithless, he is faithful. I had this conversation with my son yesterday. Uh, we had gone to the store. We're pulling out of the parking lot, and, and he says, hey, Dad. I was like, what? He goes, hey, my eight-year-old, not Ethan, my eight-year-old. And he says, hey, Dad. He goes, uh, you know, some people don't believe in Santa Claus. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, some people don't believe in Santa Claus. I was like, wow. He goes, yeah, they just don't believe. I'm like, okay. I said, you know what? I, I, think it's, I think everyone has the right to believe in what they want to believe in. But I said, you know what, son? I said, the one thing that I don't really like about Santa Claus is I said that he doesn't give gifts. He only gives rewards. And he went, what? what, what do you, no, he gives gifts. I said, well, what is a gift? He says, it's something that someone gives you. I said, is it free of charge? I said, yeah. And he, said, or he said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, you better watch out. You better not pout. Better not cry. I'm telling you why. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. So if you're naughty, do you get presents? He goes, nope. And I went, so is it a gift? He went, it's like it clicked. He went, nope. Now there's a reason I said this. I said, so we can call it a reward, not a gift, right? Yeah. And I said, do you know what I love about our heavenly father? Teaching moment. He's like, what's that? I said, he gives gifts even when we don't deserve it. Because gifts are given freely. And he went, you know what? On December 24th, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a little note to Santa. I'm going to say, Santa, you can't call them gifts anymore. You have to call them rewards. (laughs) I said, amen. And you know what? Maybe he wasn't very good, so he doesn't get milk and cookies this year. No, I'm just kidding. Talking about Santa, not my son. But I said that, I said, you know, that's why, son, even on Christmas or your birthday or, or any time of the year when we give you a gift, it's not because you earn it. If we give you something because you earned it, then it's just a reward or, or it's a pay for what you did right. But I think we should show our kids that sometimes the best time to give them something, I know this goes totally against even what I'm thinking, like, Andy, why are you saying this right now? The best time to show them absolute love and give them a gift is when they don't deserve it at all. Because... Human nature is, I ain't giving you that. But that's not displaying God. God has already given us everything we need for life and godliness. The fruit is there. The good works are there so that you should walk in them. I mean, think about this. He provided everything. Total, complete forgiveness. He gave you the gift of faith. He even gave you the gift of faith so that you could believe that it's true. Everything is a gift. He gave it to you whether you deserve it or not. Every single human being has the gifts. They're there. But will we believe it and will we receive it? You follow me? So how many know that sin is not good? But we only stop doing those things when we awaken to who we truly are. It's not yelling. It's not hellfire and damnation. It's not fearing you. By the way, if you were feared into the kingdom... It wasn't the gospel. Because the gospel is love and there's no fear in love. Listen, I have people argue this stuff with me. Pastors who argue this stuff with me. I'm like, listen, listen, bro. You have just as many people sinning in your congregation. They just learned how to hide it better. But if they say, don't hide it. You got issues. Wow, welcome to the club. Let's talk about this. Let's talk to our heavenly father. Let's awaken you to who you truly are. And I've seen people walk away from addiction in their life. And they didn't have to go to a 12-step program. I love those programs. I think it's beautiful that things are out there to help people. But you, when you awaken to who you are, you will walk away from addiction. 
You will walk away from the wrong story about yourself. You will start to believe what God says about you, and you will start to see yourself taking step by step in this journey and walking it out. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in people's lives. One more time. Does sin stink? Yes. I encourage you to not go around sinning because the wages really suck. But awaken to who you are. Again, freedom to sin is really just an illusion of freedom. It's freedom from sin that is authentic and real freedom. So knowing the truth sets us free. Can I get one amen? Amen. So understanding total forgiveness doesn't harden us to God and righteous living. It softens us to God and the response is upright living. We don't run. We don't hide. We don't feel ashamed anymore. We're like, God, this is me. I'm open before you. And he starts to show us things. Oh, you know why you, you, you seem to go towards that addiction? Because you believe this lie about yourself and you're trying to cover it up. So I'm light and love. Let me expose that in your life. Not for shame, not for guilt, but to show you truth. Let me heal. Let me bring wholeness to your life. And if you stop believing that lie about yourself, you're going to act differently. This is huge, man. Because, man, there's people all around the world who are followers of Christ who have learned how to willpower, have learned how to practice behavior modification, but it doesn't change the heart. Heart change, there's nothing like it. Because you can wake up every day and say, you know why I'm going to do that? Because I can't think of any other way to live my life because it's a heart change. It's not trying really hard. It's saying, I trust you. I've experienced this in my own life. Struggles that I've had in my own life. They're not struggles anymore. And and I've gone down the the road of performance. I've gone down the road of trying harder. It just didn't work. It would go for so long, but eventually I would stumble again. And when I started to say, wow, God, I'm going to trust your story about me. I've got, a, I've got a ways to go. But there's areas in my life that just seemed like they had a hole that I could, that I could just never get out of that grasp. When I started to awaken to my righteousness, my pleasingness, my acceptance, it started to change everything and I would walk differently. We boldly come to him and talk about our issues. What attracts us to God when we've missed the mark, when we've misstepped, when we've sinned, is his total forgiveness. That's what attracts us to him. Regardless of what you did, you are forgiven once and for all. We realize that he wants to be our counselor and our comforter and our guide in life to guide us into all truth. So let's not resist the very thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to us. I want to wrap up with one more scripture in Hebrews chapter 10 to really solidify this in our hearts today. Let's look at verse 14. For by one offering... He has perfected for all time, that means he has perfected forever, those who are made holy. And the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after saying, now listen to this, this is the covenant that I will establish with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their heart and I will ascribe them in their minds. Now if you've gone here for a amount of time, what is the one command that Jesus gave us? Love others as I've loved you. So the law in your heart and your mind is love. Not just, oh, I love you. Love, 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 love. Agape love. And I found that when we truly love someone, when we truly love ourselves, we won't hurt others or hurt ourselves, which means we won't sin. I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild how all this hinges on love. Then he says, look at this. This is a promise. This is God speaking. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. I'll remember them no more. Sometimes we're trying to remind God of all our stuff. He's like, what you talking about? It's not because he has has amnesia. (laughs) He's on purpose saying, listen, that's not who you are. Awaken to who you are and you will walk differently. Look at verse 18. Now where there is forgiveness of these... There is no longer any offering for sin. Isn't that beautiful? You are totally forgiven. Say that, I am totally forgiven. Past, present, and future. It's a done deal. But will you believe it? 
That's right, I like that. But it even gets better. Forgiveness becomes a way of life and then in turn, guess what you do? You start to share forgiveness with others. You know, Jesus said some really powerful words. He says, forgive others as I have forgiven you. I used to struggle with that. I'm like, but let me tell you something. If you think that his forgiveness is withheld depending on how you're acting any certain day, well, I'm gonna forgive others just like God forgives me. You don't deserve it, so you're not getting it. (laughs) Whoa. Forgive others as I have forgiven you. As you awaken to your total forgiveness, I'm telling you, you will start to see people differently. And for me, I know in, in a lot of times I see people, they getting crazy, treat me a certain way, saying certain things. And before, I was just a hothead about it. But now, honestly, a lot of the time I can go, wow, they're hurting. They're lost. They don't know who they are. Think about that. Jesus came to seek and save the what? Lost. You can only be lost if you already belong to somebody. We lost our identity. It never changed. God never withdrew. He's always been there. He's worked through people and mentalities and revelation levels of him until we come up to this time when Jesus came and he was the true image of God, the exact representation, the exact likeness, Hebrews tells us, of God. Again, if you want to see God, what is he like? Look to Jesus. Jesus cleared up a lot of stuff, didn't he? He cut through the religion. He cut through the politics to show us who God really was. And when we awaken to that, it changes everything. Amen. The gift you were given, the greatest gift, Jesus, has this awesome layer of total forgiveness. Say that I am forgiven. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your goodness in our lives. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. We change our minds because of your kindness towards us. I pray today that repentance is going on even now. We're starting to see ourselves differently. We're starting to see ourselves exactly like you see us. We are sons, we are daughters. And we need to believe that we are who you say we are, not our story about ourselves. And as we awaken to that, we'll start to see things change in our life, little by little. It's progressive. Just put your hand on your heart and say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I thank you for forgiveness. You hold no record of wrong toward me. And I choose this morning by an act of my will to believe you. And I say with my mouth, I am forgiven. And I choose to walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.